0: hey you busy mm-hmm okay let me run something past you real quick had an epiphany today mm-hmm I sure did uh I'm gonna go ahead and ask you a question when you are embarking on something have you realized that in order for there to be progress there needs to be a process and that if you do jump over or hurry through the process, you will never be able to duplicate, replicate the progress. Like if someone in your class just gave you all the answers to every test, By the time that it was your time to take whatever final course test or even to teach somebody else it or dare you have children and you got to help them with word problems and such, you will not be able to get the same progress because you hurried through the process. You didn't want to learn how to go ahead and carry the one or how to divide properly or learn the multiplication chart. It just was it just it did not interest you. Okay, you did not have the time. You were not interested. It wasn't a part of your wiring. It wasn't your passion. And so you went and just eh, made a little whatever about the particular way that you felt in fourth grade, fifth grade about that particular math equation and decided I'm just not going to learn this. I'm not going to learn this. And what you don't realize is that where you don't learn, you can't apply. And when you can't apply, you can't multiply. And the very essence of being a human being is what God told us in Genesis to multiply and divide. You can hate math all you want, but it was actually uh, your calling. Yeah, It was actually something that was embarked and set in you and uh, set you apart from anything else. God gave you a particular order to say some stuff and do some stuff with your life and what he gave you. Why am I coming off so strong you ask? I'm glad you said something because I just felt like I was in your face, very much breathing the breath that you're breathing. That's a little too close because it's the cooties out in these streets. But here's my thing. I got (laughs) G-checked from the Holy Spirit. Something so crazy that I was like, I dare not keep this to myself. I looked over the last couple of things that I was uncomfortable with. I'm looking with fair lenses over the current situations that I'm not comfortable in. And I was able through the Holy Spirit to identify something. It does not help the process for you to connect or have any set of emotions in the middle. I said, huh, what you mean by that? So Holy Spirit was like, give me a food that you love that there's there's a few steps to it. I was like, mm, macaroni and cheese. He's like, okay, very much. I see what you're doing. He said, now, um, you know all the steps, right? You got to boil the noodles and, and all the steps. He said, what if you got midway through cooking the macaroni and cheese and decided, I don't want to wait no more. I just want to eat it as is. Do you think that it would... Stand the chance uh to even be called your favorite meal. I was like, absolutely not. Because when I used to watch it get made as a child, I was like, Y'all put eggs in that? Like I had no idea because on certain levels, and here's the word here, I my job was to uh go sit down, stay at the adult's way, right? And then as I got trusted with more responsibilities, it was okay, now cut the cheese. Okay, now that you're able to do that, I want you to go ahead and boil these noodles to the time frame that I'm telling you to do it. And then so I got trusted to be in part of and to have revealed to me more of the process for the progress. And so once I got to certain steps, I was like, well, how many cheese is you like? I had no idea because all this time I've been sitting in the living room, I've been out the kitchen, I have not gone to the grocery store to get the ingredients, I have not done all of these things that would help me duplicate this. So, once you bring me into the kitchen and it's getting hot, and how long we got to stand here, and the fact that you got to time the noodles and then you got to put it in the oven and set it and forget it, and then you got to do this first. But you know what? Would you your grandma do like this, but I do like this, and everybody got their own little recipe, so now you got to try to figure. Out what's your recipe and it's all these things to this staple for Thanksgiving that you're like oh my gosh if I were cooking this all my life I don't think that this would have been my favorite but more importantly if I would have stopped the process in the middle I don't think this would have been my continual tradition so I was like huh that's something there then I thought about when my husband and I built the home had we not walked through other stages in other homes and seen the stages that they were in and from the concrete pour to the wood slab going up to, okay, now is getting, oh, they working inside. Cause they do the frame and, you know, the outside, then they do inside and then they put the insulation and then, you know, you got what looks like, oh, I know what that room's going to be. And you see the pipes coming up and you're like, oh, this is exciting. But for a real long time, uh. I think what was happening was we knew what to expect, not only because there was a schedule, but because we seen the process and the progress in other people's homes that were being built in the community. And the date would often change when we thought windows were coming. They weren't coming when we thought, oh, we're going to have that. That didn't come And Wait a minute. Hold on. Now we got to delay. How y'all going to keep delaying the closing? And the only reason why my husband and I did not lose the intensity or the tenacity of, oh, my gosh, we're building a home is because even though they didn't inform us of the progress, we visited the site of the home every single week. We made it a date night. When we were gone, the kids already knew y'all going to the house. I already know what it is because what we decided in that season of our lives is no one is going to have control over our excitement. So whether this is delayed 30, 60, 90 months, whatever it is, I'm going to continuously. I mean, we took pictures every week. If there was progress, it was yay. If not, then we walked through other people's homes and was like, oh, look, they got countertops now. And so we made something that started in May. And was supposed to end in October, but actually ended the very end, the very last Friday of January, we made that process so appealing that I I would do it again. At the end of it, my husband and I were able to look at each other and go, this was fun. From picking out the samples, to doing the whatevers, to kind of like, uh, eh, I don't know if that's going to go together, to researching, the calling back, like, I think I want to take that, one. no, we, we want to add the window, I ain't going to hold you, but I don't think we want that fireplace, and doing all that, we kept that same excitement, and it wasn't because it was on time, because it very much wasn't, it wasn't because we were well informed, because we very much weren't, it wasn't because... Everyone who moved in moved in order because they very much did not. Like, literally, we were looking at other homes like, what? Well, why Why they closed before us? They were built after us. Like, what's going on? We were asking the questions now. But because we continuously saw progress, whether it was in our home or in the community that we were building a home in, it's something about progress that does not allow you to, just kind of let that flame go out and so I was like "Mm." then I thought about pregnancy the fact that if I were to try to figure out who who the kids look like through a sonogram that's not a good depiction that's not a good time to do that and why isn't it because although you may be able to tell certain things, like you may be able to tell the gender, but don't get it twisted because I've heard so many different stories. And I have someone recently, it's not like 1960, I'm talking about 2020, fill in the blank, okay? Uh, where someone literally was told that they were having a girl. She did the gender reveal and all. And when she pushed that baby out, he was very much he. <laughs> she was like, oh. So she had to post on social media and was like, if anyone needs girl clothes, because the gender reveal is just a way of saying, Hey, y'all need to know so y'all can go ahead and bring some things to the baby shower. Right? Yeah. She had all girl things. She had a girl name. She had. So can you imagine at the very ninth month, uh, going ahead and you pushing and you can't wait to see where she, Oh, he would you look at that? And so there are certain things that can be told from the sonogram. It could be the gender. Oh, I see how many fingers and toes and this, that, and third. And Oh, you can even go ahead and get one of those 3D situations where, oh, look, his mouth is opening. But you can't tell me the color of the baby's eyes. You can't tell me just by looking at that particular photo what the uh, hair texture is going to be, what the hair color is going to be, uh, how many dimples, if any, uh, do you have... a grip uh is it strong or is it not uh do you get frazzled uh you know dazzled you know some babies come on They're like like you scare the heck out of them like do are you sensitive to sound oh are you a thug you can go to sleep in a concert like how are you there are certain things that you can't tell from the sonogram that you can't make definitive uh i i guess Defended, like I'm, I'm thinking so many things going through my head. So when people name their children sometimes, sometimes they go, you know what? I got to wait till I see the baby. Like I remember Kylie Jenner when she had her son. She put out TMZ, all that. You know, his name was Wolf. And then she came out a couple of months later and was like, ah, I don't think he, his name is not Wolf. He just don't look like a wolf to me. She may have made that decision with him in utero. And then realize when he came out, you know what? I don't see the connection. And that's exactly what I'm trying to go ahead and push through. Or what came on to me today. There is such an injustice that you do to your future when you decide to emotionally connect to the middle of something. You have the opportunity. God has the opportunity to change anything around. I don't care what your paycheck looks like. God can turn that. I don't care what your household currently feels like. God can turn that. I don't care what that particular relationship is going through. God can turn that. And so there's so many different ways that God can go ahead and turn a thing. But for some reason, just human, I don't know, intellect, we get stuck emotionally in the middle. Well, I've been applying for something for so long. Okay, you're in the middle of of application season. Like, it's okay. You think God's going to keep you stuck forever? Or are you in the middle of what can possibly be the road to embarking in your dream job? Man, you know what? I don't know how much more these. I got like this many more classes to go and It's tiresome to go. Okay, you're in the middle. It's easy to quit now because you can kind of try to make an excuse why the finish line is too far. But you're in the middle of that. Buckle up make some adjustments do what needs to be done and tell yourself bro I deserve to finish this my future self deserves to finish this I'm not going to continue to start a thing and not finish it you have to get to a point that you want a part of your palette and your story and your legacy that you started and you finished the thing stop getting into the middle of a relationship and saying it's not going to work stop getting into the middle of cooking something in your life proverbially and then realizing oh my gosh I forgot certain ingredients count the cost do do needs to be done in the beginning so that when you get to the middle, you can still persevere. Why? Because you know, the end date is going to be here. Even if it gets delayed, even if what I thought is not what I'm, I'm seeing anymore, as long as you know that you're not going to get stuck in the middle, the end point got to come at some point. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so that was really revving me up because I'm like, time out. How many more times are going to let the enemy just kind of letting us get to this place where, you know, we get to the middle and then we flunk? Like maybe it traces back to the Garden of Eden. We can eat of every tree except the one located where? In the middle. <laughs> so maybe just maybe the the unspoken curse has been when you get to the middle of something, you feel a urge to stop. You feel a urge to slow down. You feel a urge not to give it your all anymore. You feel the urge to walk away. You feel the urge. Like very few of us get to the middle and it's like, all right, come on. <laughs> like we, we got this far, let's do it. That's not human nature. And it may be because of what was done in Eden. And that's the Holy Spirit, cause like that—that that even got me. Like, yo, I ain't even realized that, cause the Holy Spirit be holy experiencing. You know what I'm saying? But I went in a, a step further. I ain't gonna hold you. I did bring it back to the Bible, though. Mm-hmm. I went ahead and I looked at uh, Luke 24. You know, I read in the NLT version, right? Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna give you nothing without giving you some backdrop, right? So Jesus went ahead and uh, he rose on the third day, like he said he would. And so now, uh, everybody's pretty much, they don't know what to do, buddy. They've been following you for three years. Like what the 36 months, sir, <laughs> they don't know what a day looks like for the last 36 months. They don't know 30, 365 times three, sir. They don't know what one of those days looks like without you. They have been so used to you being a part of them. That they are actually confused on like, what now? And so because they did not have a secure plan of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Like they heard him talking, but they didn't really hear him speaking. Uh, It got to the point that it's like they decided in the middle of this, they're just going to get emotional. So I want to go ahead and I want to read. So Luke 24, I want to start at verse 13. Okay. Okay. So that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. 14. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. 15. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. 16. But God kept them from recognizing him. 17. He asked them, why are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Or I'm sorry, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces, 18. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. 19. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, because he had attitude. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. 20. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. 21. We had hoped he was a messiah Who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. 22. Then some women. From our group of his followers. Were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. 23. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them. Jesus is alive. 24. Some of our men ran out to see. And sure enough his body was gone. Just as the women had said. 25. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. 26. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. 30. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. 31. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 33. And within that hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They, there, they found the 11 disciples and the others who gathered with them. 34. Who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Pause. Pause. Um, you know, what part stuck out to me? Well, a a lot of it, but, um, one, all this time when I used to read this, I never caught on to the fact that Jesus presented himself, but God blocked him. God blocked the disciples from seeing Jesus in his shoes form. And I feel like it's because if I have to continue to show you I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And if he showed you that 36 months, three years straight, and you didn't believe, then at this very point, you don't deserve to see Jesus in his most sensitive form. Yeah, this is after death, burial, E or the above. When you saw him in the flesh, you weren't believing. So you think that God's going to show you something in a truest form? It's almost the same way like with people, how you handle people you saying that you're ready for that relationship. You're saying that you're ready for that promotion. You're saying that you're ready for whatever that situation is. But God is like, yeah, but when I had such and such around you, when I had you over such and such, when I gave you little, you didn't show that you were uh, responsible with little. So why do you think I'm going to give you much? Hmm. Yeah, that's something there. But the part that really gets to me is verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. And the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. They were nearing the end of their journey. They were nearing the end of their journey. It seems like to me by the time that Jesus went ahead and had a conversation with them and he asked in verse 17, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short satin written all over their faces and this, that and the third. It seemed like they was in the middle of their journey. So the first part of their journey, they probably was trying to figure out and kind of land on an emotion like, bro, I don't really know. Like it, a lot has happened these last few days, like. I don't know what to think of Jerusalem no more. I ain't going to hold you. I don't know if I should go back home. Like what is home with it? Why do we know how to get back home? Like you've been probably all these different things going through their mind. So that probably was the first portion of their journey. And I think when God seen that they wasn't making no progress, he was like, all right, Jesus, go talk to them. So in the middle of their journey, I think that's when God or Jesus revealed himself. But at that point, you already had sadness written all over you. That point you were discussing intently to the point that Jesus can see no matter how long y'all been talking, y'all not making no progress. So when Jesus came on the scene, that's when it was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to bring them through the scripture and I'm going to try to give them, you know, like a little snippet, some cliff notes, if you will, shout out to my husband, some cliff notes, if you will, uh, for what I tried to show y'all for 36 months. So I got to hurry up and give you the the condensed version, okay, the masterclass version, if you will, to the thing that I've been doing for the last three years. But I got to go ahead and give it to y'all in in this particular time frame, like a micro machine person, because I see that you're getting to the end. Of what's supposed to be your beginning. But if I let you go in this particular state. In this particular emotional state. With this particular mind state. You are not going to begin what I have for you. Because of how I see you responding in the middle. So Jesus knew. I have got to get them to a different place. Spiritually. Emotionally. And mentally. So that when it's time to go on. They can go on what I've been trying to put into them for three years. 28, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on because he already felt like, you know what? The verse before it says 27, then Jesus took them through the writings of the of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So once I feel like he felt like, okay, y'all got it. Then it was time to leave. But it wasn't until Jesus did what only Jesus can do. He reiterated what, uh, the, the, the suffering of what he went through, the breaking of the bread, the breaking of his body, the, and it was like, oh my gosh, time out. So what what happens after that? 31, suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn with us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures?" So as you ever have felt any kind of way down, sad, whatever the emotion is that you want to connect to. And then God has somebody random speak to you and you were like, mm. there was this comfort that you felt almost like God gave you a, a soul hug that you were like, mm, that's exactly what I needed. That's mm, you know what? I needed to hear that. I needed to see that. I needed to experience that. You know what? I needed today. I needed that conversation. Whatever it was, God was able to come down through someone else's form and say, you know what? I'm going to use this person, but I'm going to block you from seeing that it's me. But I'm going to use this person to go ahead and make this journey lighter because I cannot leave you the way that you currently are because you will not get to where I'm trying to take you. My challenge is that we need to get to a place that we no longer try to make, I'm talking about infinite, permanent, concrete decisions on how something's going to pan out because of the way we feel about it in the middle. There is something on your life. There's a calling on your life that is so precious that it requires for you to be intentive and attentive. The entire process through. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh let you let ooh see and I be ch- listen she be putting her alarm on to make sure we because I'm not putting nothing towards your your phone bill. Have a nice day, but um I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what this conversation is and you know what these conversations are okay they're life-provoking conversations conversations that not the average person's gonna have with you but who your favorite homegirl okay listen um there's a reason why I had this conversation with you now and I know that the timing was very strategic by our father so whatever it is that's attempting to try to get you to settle in the middle just know the wilderness was never supposed to be your home. It was always a promised land filled with milk and honey. Do you understand that? Okay. All right. I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go, okay? But uh, we'll talk later? Mm-hmm. Okay. Later. Oh, wait. Before you go, uh, let me go ahead and just remind you again that you need to be looking at CreatedToMultiply.com. Very much Created the number two multiply.com. Oh, and you know, your girl got a Patreon now, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to the website, you'll see all of that. So very much go. Okay, now I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Later.